Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Labor Day special, actually our Labor Day Sunday special. The message is about labor and uh, different kinds of labor and, and when that labor includes rest. So we've got three different uh, passages. I'll, I will be touching on each of them. And then we'll talk about um, what Scripture says about how to treat workers. There are more passages than this, which I could have brought up. But you know, we cannot cover the waterfront, as it says. It's an old saying, can't cover the waterfront in one single sermon. <clears throat> and this one, as uh, if you read the text from the website, this one is not that long. It may seem long, but it's shorter than my usual ones. And uh, <clears throat> so I move along pretty quickly. I'm sure you'll be able to, to hang with me. It's not a confusing message. And I'm grateful that you took time, or taking time now, to give a listen to what the Bible says about labor. Our lector is Barbara Todd, one of our most experienced readers. And uh, that is the voice you'll hear next. But first, let's, uh, let's begin with an opening prayer, if, uh, if you will, please. Let us pray. Merciful God, we give you thanks for this opportunity and for this technology and for the people who make it happen. Bless unto us what we are about to hear, that it may speak to us, that it may be you speaking to us, and that we find it something that will help us grow in our knowledge or in our wisdom and in the way we love other people. This blessing we ask in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen. Business is Labor Day weekend. Pastor has chosen some passages that have to do with work, the treatment of workers, laborers at home, and what it is to be a worker approved by God. Since work is a huge part of our lives, that is a big subject. So it's a good idea to approach it and the Bible passages about it today in prayer. So please, join me in the spirit of prayer for the prayer of illumination. Let us pray. Holy One, you too are a worker. You set in motion all that made creation, and you made us. You made us with minds to think and hearts to feel. Open our ears, God, so we will hear what the scriptures say and spur our minds into faithful thought about what they say mean for us. Grant us illumination. In the name of the light of the world and the carpenter himself, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Our first reading is a brief one, coming from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Now this chapter has a variety of similar short passages with instructions about the various situations Israel will run into while living in the promised land. This is a warning from God to be fair. You shall not withhold the wages of poor and needy laborers, whether other Israelites or aliens who reside in your land in one of your towns. You shall pay them their wages daily, before sunset, 
because they are poor and their livelihood depends on them. Otherwise, they might cry to the Lord against you and you would incur guilt. This is the end of the Deuteronomy reading. Our epistle lesson is from 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 14 through the first half of verse 17. This is where that worker approved by God comes from. The author is giving advice. Remind them of this and warn them before God that they are to avoid wrangling over words, which does no good but only ruins those who are listening. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by God. A worker has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. Avoid profane chatter, for it will lead people into more and more impiety, and their talk will spread like gangrene. This ends the reading of the epistle lesson. Will those who are able please stand up for the reading of the gospel? This morning we have a well-known story from Luke. It is even portrayed in one of our stained glass windows there on the east side, closest to the narthex wall. This passage is Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entertained a, entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but there is need only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Here ends the reading from the Gospel and our scriptures for this morning's worship. May God grant us a wise and generous understanding of this, the word of God, life for the life of the people of God. What does the Bible say about labor? That's a good question for the church, capital C Church, or anyone interested to ask on this Labor Day weekend. What the Bible says is more than these three isolated passages we heard Barb read, of course. It is always a pertinent topic for people of the faith, but maybe more so now as our economy has changed in so many ways. My working career began at 16 as a busboy dishwasher for Bridgman's Ice Cream Parlor and Restaurant in Columbia Heights. We worked hard and we worked harder when it was busy. Later I was at County Seat and during my seminary summers I'd get jobs through Best Temporaries in Minneapolis. My jobs ranged from feeding big dirty rubber bottom to mats and rugs into a rug-beating machine to working with a machine that washed the big jugs of water for office water coolers 
while then having hits by the kinks in my head. There were many other different kinds of jobs over those three summers. Now it struck me at first that Paul's letter to Timothy was an encouragement to work hard at first reading. Do your best, Paul wrote, to present yourself to God as one approved by God, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. But although the Bible does have verses that encourage hard work and not to let healthy persons become idlers, that's not so much what this is about. So I was kind of wrong at first. In a world of false teachers about whom Paul just wrote warnings, Timothy was to be truthful and straightforward in his explaining God's word. Paul is urging Timothy to see what he does also, to see what he does as a service, and thus to be a servant unashamed of his labor and in service to God. The word Paul uses for to present, like to present yourself to God, the word that he uses is parastese, which characteristically means to present oneself for service. And to be approved means passing the test and be fit for such service. Can you do it? You and I don't have to be Bible teachers or doing church work for Paul's exhortation to be for us, too. We can stop at, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by God, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, and say, well, here's how to labor, period. To labor for God, then, be it in a church or wherever we live and work, whatever we do, is something to do in a posture of service. It's something to be seen, even though it could be for very secular company as a service to God. And we often so serve the Lord by serving others well. When it comes to work that's clearly for the church, I am fond of saying there's nothing wrong with striving for excellence when it comes to service for God's church. Well, that's one thing, or maybe two, that the Bible says about labor in that passage. A posture of service as to the Lord, and of good service, acceptable to God. Well, following on those heels is a message from our gospel story. And this morning I see it as a story about temptation. Example, some days I'm, when I'm in the pastor's study, I may be working on an important email or, or I'm reading something that is going to be of help. I trust I'm investing my time in it. Uh, but then I think this might be a good time to try to reach person X by a phone call. Phone calls are open-ended time-wise, unless you get voicemail, and even then if you got voicemails from me, they may not be open. They can be open-ended. Um, but so is working to write a really good email, or a sermon, or reading an article kind of open-ended. So what to do? Both are ways of serving God. When is the last time you found yourself in a similar kind of dilemma? Which way of serving God is the right one at that point in time? Depending on our gifts and our circumstances and our preferences and our temperaments, we may have a default answer to this question. Jesus helps us out. 
So there was the temptation I just laid it out for you. And here comes the gospel story. You heard Martha ask Jesus, puts him in the middle. Jesus, Martha asks Jesus to tell sitting and learning Mary to get up and help her in her work. Now Paul might have said the same thing. And by the way, as I dig into this just a little, I've always thought of it as meal preparation that Martha was doing. And we see in that stained glass window, she's carrying a bowl of food. But uh, it doesn't say that, what, that's what she's doing. And my study Bible offers a different take, even if it is a meal. In, a, in the footnotes and in the italics section, though it's not written in italics, there's an annotation to this verse in my study Bible. It says, refers to what Jesus said, by many things, and it says, by many things, which were not important enough to call for excessive attention or worry. With delicate ambiguity, Jesus rebuked Martha's choice of values. A simple meal, one dish, is sufficient for hospitality. End quote. So Jesus may be telling his followers that listening to God's word, to Christ's teaching, is the better part when you have the chance to do so. If you must entertain, for example, in a spiritual context, keep it simple, quick, modest, so you can sit and listen, discuss and study too. It's the faithful choice to let physical labor wait, even the work of hospitality, while you have the opportunity to attend to the presence of the holy. Take the opportunity to attend to the presence of the holy. Sometimes we labor best by resting our soul and being like Mary. So that might help us answer that temptation call. It depends on the circumstances we're facing. And lastly, we have a pair of verses which address real hard work in the fields labor. Deuteronomy, you shall not withhold the wages of poor and needy laborers, whether other Israelites or aliens who reside in your land in one of your towns. You shall pay them their wages daily before sunset, because they are poor and their livelihood depends on them. Otherwise, they might cry to the Lord against you and you would incur guilt. Don't cheat the workers especially those who need the cash that very night. Good work and workers deserve dignity. Now Patrick Miller wrote, the wages are necessary immediately because such a person does not have accumulated wealth or other resources. Without immediate payment for that day, there will not be food to eat or clothes to wear. Take care of your workers have thought about their living circumstances and act compassionately on those thoughts. Elsewhere in Scripture, those who withhold wages are condemned also. Miller wrote in chapter 24, verse 6, 10 through 13, 14 and 15, 17 and 18, and 19 through 22, there appears a series of statues designed to protect persons from economic oppression that would keep them from securing the basic needs for life. 
They particularly prohibit injustice and oppression of the less protected and less secure members of the community. End quote. Now, although this is not about labor unions, just for a teaching point, one of the allies of workers who were poor and they were organizing to secure healthier, fairer working conditions and benefits in the 1920s and 30s, like an eight-hour work week, and finally get rid of child labor, one of the allies was the mainline churches. They perceived that the spirit of Deuteronomy and James 5 and Malachi 3 and other passages, the spirit was being violated and needed help to bring back dignity for labor. Those mainline churches knew their Bible. Now today, communities of faith don't have power to ensure such standards of care and justice. It's left up now to other agencies and bodies. Last Wednesday's Tribune had an article, Workers Still Feeling the Heat from the Associated Press. Maybe you read it. It told of Santos Brizuela, who spent more than 20 years working outdoors, persisting despite a bout of heat stroke while cutting sugarcane in Mexico and chronic laryngitis from repeated exposure to the hot sun while on various other jobs. Last summer broke him. Now at a maintenance job, Brizuela, age 47, takes, he can take breaks. There are flyers on the wall with best practices for staying healthy. Protections he had not been afforded before. Sometimes, as a worker, you ask your employer for protection or for health and safety-related needs, and they don't listen or follow, he said. And heat-related deaths of workers rose this year in the extreme heat. If you find that brief article, Wednesday's paper, section two, it's worth a read. There are no consistent benchmarks for determining what makes a serious heat hazard, whether it's state law or federal. What's unsafe legally is not always clear, which does allow for the chance that workers like Santos could be taken advantage of under serious health concerns or even death. The Bible would not be okay with that. And that's good news. We can contact representatives in Springfield and DC. That's also good news. And the best news is Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, that begins to bring us to the conclusion of our Redheaded Preacher podcast. Um, I want to tell you that in the receiving line, a fellow... Um, came through and, and said something about I should preach more. And what I think he meant was to preach longer. Be so that's what I, I tried to answer his question by saying what I said to you in the, in the introduction, that I, this was intentionally shorter because communion takes more time and there was an additional piece of music and I didn't know how long the choir was going to sing. I didn't even get into that much, but just try to explain that, you know, I try to keep the service to an hour or, you know, at a reasonable, whatever reasonable is, period of time after, you know, beyond an hour if there is communion. 
And that reminded me of something I think I've shared with you before, and that is that my mother, rest her soul, uh, told me that, and we lived 20 minutes away from the church at that time, she said, if a sermon isn't 20 minutes long, it's not worth going to listen to. And I understood what she meant. She was talking about in length there is believed to be substance and some detail and some nuance, perhaps. And um, I agreed with that perception. I agreed with that. And still today, as you know, if you've been a faithful listener, some of these sermons get kind of close to 20 minutes. That's not my goal. Um, My goal, probably, if I had a goal for time, is 18 minutes. But uh, be that as it may, I thought I'd share with you that little story uh, from this, this um, uh, you know, a guest who joined us today and had, joins us frequently on a regular basis on Sunday mornings. So next week, I'm going to be preaching on Christian education because it's Sunday School Rally Day. And I think uh, speaking about Christian education is a pretty good thing to do. I don't know if the sermon's going to be pretty good, but I think it's important to preach about it. And so I'll be doing my best um, next Sunday, September 10th, and I hope you will be able to join us um, afterwards to listen to the podcast, you know, a few days afterwards when it's published, edited and published. So thanks again for listening. I'm very grateful to all of you who listen wherever you are and whenever you happen to listen. And I wish that God will bless you, and may God bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to The Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.